Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, good friends, and welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Layups Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Radke. I'm here with Julian Andrews. Julian, we made it past episode one. Yes, we did. Uh, skin of our teeth, I think, was something I saw somebody on Twitter say, but, um, you know, the comments since then have gotten more positive, so we're, we're living. Uh, I, I didn't see that comment, um, but I'm yeah. Kidding. A lot has happened today. Um, James Harden got impeached. No, no, sorry. That's not right. Almost. almost so close. Yeah. Uh, James Harden got uh, traded to the Nets, which we, we kind of saw coming. Um, but we brought in a star today. Um, it took all of our, it took our whole budget. Um, and <laughs> I got fired in 2020. So the budget's low. Um, Haley O'Shaughnessy. Haley, how are you? I want everybody to know that's actually a lie. I'm paying them to be on the <laughs> show. I heard the first episode and I just had to do it. Um, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. It has been an incredibly busy day between James Harden and Trump getting impeached. I mean, I think all around it's pretty good. I think everyone's enjoying themselves. Victor Oladipo, probably except for the future uh, Nets when they yeah. repeat what happened before when they gave away all their picks. So, but that's far in the future for right now. Everybody's enjoying themselves. I'm having a wonderful time. I'm drinking red wine. I made you guys drink something. What did you guys choose? You didn't tell me yet. Um, I, I haven't bet anything. Kyle has a Mick golden. Oh no, no, a Mick golden. What? Like <laughs> am I just the worst. <laughs> Sorry. That was last year. Kyle. No, I, I have a uh, white wine with um, my fiance, my fiance. She's downstairs. She just handed me this and it says sip. That's a beautiful cup. It's okay. It's like someone. It's like a ten dollar four pack at Target. It's giving you instructions. It's doing its job. Yeah, it is Julian, what, what do you got? Um, I have whiskey, which That's... maybe wasn't my first choice for like during the podcast drink, but it was the only thing accessible. So I fully support it. You're gonna have Enjoying to give details of what specifically afterwards because I love whiskey and bourbon and the specifics. It I is. I made somebody bear through before this call all of the specifics of what makes something a bourbon and not a whiskey. Um, and it is like a eight-step process, maybe nine steps. I don't know. You do it in the alphabet. Anyway, I'll just... I was going to ask you if you could, if you could give us the cliff notes, but it sounds like there aren't cliff notes. At the end of my appearance, if you're still wanting to hear me talk, I will run through the ABCs of what makes a drink a bourbon. That's I want to know that. Yeah, I don't know. Stay that. tuned, listeners. I mean, Julian's already uh, spilled the beans that I'm not a. Apparently, I just, I, I'm a I'm a low life drinker. I'm just drinking my golden <laughs> light, um, which I think you can get in Vegas for like a dollar. Um, anyways, I, I guess like Haley, uh, first impressions because I want to I want to like go in and talk about your career and uh, everything. I find that like super fascinating, um, but. Let's talk about this trade. Um, who's the biggest loser and why is it Jared Allen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I like I told you before we started recording, like five seconds before, I have to actually pull it up because I was in a very long meeting before. So there's a lot of potential winners and losers. I will say I think the biggest loser is Brooklyn in the future. It's really, it's always worth it to me to go 100% for the championship right there, right now. I'm like the biggest supporter of the, and even at the time, Kawhi to Toronto, even knowing that there's a chance he wouldn't stay afterwards because that's the ultimate goal, to win a championship. Having Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, you're automatically probably the second favorite. And I'm just saying that because I've, you know, I've watched the Lakers Last night, is that when they were playing? I hope you guys have a, a big editing budget because I'm going to make a lot of mistakes because this is my second glass of red wine. Um, but I would say the biggest the biggest loser to me is Brooklyn in the future. It's just tough. These got, You're not going to be able to preserve this. Hopefully you win. Hopefully it's worth it. Um, I think also winners. The Rockets. Just time to start over. You know what I mean? That was it's been so embarrassing since the beginning of the season. You don't want to be a place where people don't want to be. And similarly, I would say the same about Indiana. You know, Depot did not want to be there. He was quite disrespectful about it a couple of times. Um, Jared Allen, tough. Mm -hmm. really tough yeah. I will say I always think that Cavs fans are really underrated as fans they're never hostile to me on Twitter um, <laughs> so just personally I like have a lot of affection for them and they're also really dedicated despite years of being really really bad so I think he'll get a lot of love there um, who else let's see let's go through Pacers Karis Levert good for them honestly mm -hmm. good for them um, still doesn't seem like such a big return for Victor Oladipo, but again, he wanted to leave. That's what happens. So the Nets gave up four. Sorry, I'm literally reading this off of a tweet. That's good. Four first round swaps. Okay. That's that's I mean that yeah, that's all, <laughs> all that's everything, guys. folks. Yeah. <laughs> They're really throwing it in. There's such an interesting thing to be said about teams who've thrown it all in before hoping it'll work. And you know, what's funny is that it's so related to this trade because for the longest time, it was the Rockets every single year. They traded a marvelous bench to get Chris Paul years ago. And it was a really fun team. It just didn't end well. You know, his, his injury was unfortunate, but they threw away a lot of things that now the Clippers or at least last year's Clippers um, were lauded for all of those bench pieces that they turned into really important players. And those were the Rockets originally that didn't work out. They uh, tried Russ that didn't work out. So I think James Harden is coming from a long line of let's throw everything into making this work. And this is just the latest addition. Does, does maybe like Sam Presti went? Cause like, maybe like, I feel like I always, um, and he's not even part of this trade. I'm just, no, no, no. You'll see where I'm going. Like, and, and maybe I, I just like, don't remember certain things, but I don't remember teams just like trading four first round picks, um, all the time before, like last year's trade with, with the thunder. And then right after that, um, you know, it, it just it's felt like in the last like year or two, we've had like four of these trades where I, I went back and I looked at like the Kevin Garnett trade. And that granted, that was like 
15 years ago, but it's like, they got like two first round picks in Sebastian Telfair. It's like, Oh, congratulations. Um, is, is that, is this how it's just going to go from now on? If you're a star, like it's going to cost three or four first round picks. I don't know. There's so many more forced trades now. And there's also, I think, I don't want to start sounding like an old guy, like back in the day and kids now are punks. But I do also think that stars are making it a worse time now if they want out. Like James Harden made that a really bad time. It really ruined the Rockets for it all of really, Like no one was having fun. No one was having a good time. Um, like you think about Paul George leaving the Pacers. I think he was like even pretty courteous the way he was like, guys, I'm not going to resign. So you might as well do something with this. Um, I don't know. There's a long line of superstars recently who have forced trades and maybe that makes other teams more desperate. Maybe that's better for the teams that are, you know, having to get rid of their star. But when it's somebody like James Harden, I think that's the difference is that now the top of the top are saying, I want to go. A lot of teams are still going to say, okay, well, we will give up anything for them because a lot of teams are bidding. Um, but yeah, I would say Sam Presti is unquestionably the winner in this trade. <laughs> Sam Presti wins. Some, somebody's just going to like listen to that and their podcast is going to go out for some reason. And they're going to be like, that Radke guy is such an idiot. He doesn't even know. <laughs> Two episodes in, you guys get canceled. <laughs> yeah, we're done. I think honestly, if you trace it all back, it's fair enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that there's like a chart we can use. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel bad for the people that got traded to the Cavs. Um, I think it was just Jared Allen and Torian Prince. Cause it's like one day you're just thinking that you're going to win a championship maybe, or at least like make this run. And the next day you're playing in Cleveland and no, it's like no disrespect for Cleveland because like, I understand the irony, like making fun of the Cavaliers as a Timberwolves podcast. So like, I get it, but that just doesn't seem fun to me. Well, and, and that was, you know, when they brought in Kyrie and Katie, that was kind of, and especially when I, two years ago this was last year i'm sorry i have no concept of time anymore since like the since quarantine and the second glass but i remember when Kyrie was like we're gonna need more guys on the nets like this is not enough i think it was last winter um that he said that i immediately started feeling for the nets who just weren't gonna be able to stick around for it and you know that even includes your guys guy now d -Lo, because they were a super fun team and they were also um you know the like scrappy nets of no stardom a couple years ago they were also the ones who displayed firsthand that the franchise was willing to that they were smart essentially and i think it's really important now maybe more than ever or maybe you know, now it's just more apparent than ever with social media and all of the, you know, the increased reporting on all of this, that having a front, a smart front office, or at least one that's willing to listen to the players is super important for a destination. You either want to play with another superstar or you want to go somewhere where you have some control over it. You have some say, or, you know, they're going to make good moves. So I think it's, you know, they were part of the team that showed that the Nets franchise was invested in a way that they hadn't been before only if only because they've been humiliated for years as a result of an earlier trade that they'd made. So it is kind of unfair, you know, then they're, they're just the leftovers. They're just traded away. I will say with Jared Allen, like what a tough, tough time to like lose out to Deandre Jordan, <laughs> like first the minutes now this it's tough. And just to go now to 
playing behind Drummond, I guess. Like what like what's or hopefully Drummond plays I I don't know. I guess I think Jared Allen's probably a better player, but like like why won't any why won't a team like make him their starter? I, I don't I really don't get it. One day a team will love him. Yeah. Enough properly. Yeah. Drummond, it's hard because uh teams also always have this thing where they're like well, this guy's paid so much, so we have to use him and he must be good and we must, you know, fully use him to the extent of his talents. But sometimes you just have to take that very large bill, take the L and put it on the bench. But I want to see Jared Allen shine. It, it Cleveland could be a fun young team. It'd be it'd be cool to see him. Maybe they can be like Hoxian a year or two from now if they make some good decisions. Just young and exciting. That's my hope for Jared Allen. Yeah, they have a fun backcourt. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does pay if you're DeAndre Jordan just to be Kevin Durant's friend in more ways than one. Like, but I mean, I like as smart as the NBA is, though, like guys continue just to get playing time. I and mean, this is a conversation for another time. They just get playing time because of they were once really good. And oh, yeah. And they ha- and the team is now still paying a lot of money for them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's It's really gotten guys a lot more playing time than they deserve is if they are paid really well, because it's really hard to also explain how nothing's been made out of them. And they're still on the payroll because there's a the new sensation of the last like decade where fans are mock GMs and know everything about the cap and cap space and how money is being used. And that's a lot of pressure when people are actually paying attention to that. It's true. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's shift gears because everybody's going to be reading about this trade and talking about it, and um, they think that I think that Sam Presti is a winner. So, um, okay, COVID obviously in the nation is a is a really big deal, and um, uh, you you don't want to underplay that ever. Uh, in the NBA, it's also a big deal, and we're seeing games postponed. And um, we talked about this a little bit earlier on our podcast this week. And the question was, are we worried? And that's when I think like maybe one game got postponed or, or some players were going to miss time. And now it seems like there's been like four or five games postponed. Um, how worried are you uh, that we're going to have to like pa- pause the season? Um, wh- where's your worry level on that? I think you have to define what I'd be worried about, because if you mean worried that the season is going to be postponed, that's not a worry for me. I yeah. don't think that's going to happen. What I'm worried about is that that does not happen. These are really, you know, athletes are the prime example of health. We have not seen in the NBA yet beyond, you know, Rudy Gobert talking about he lost his sense of smell. He lost his sense of taste. Um, Any serious side effects or, or symptoms, I guess. And that's that could just be because they're concealing it as well. But these guys are prime examples of health. Um, but (laughs) coaches are old. Um, they've shown like in other athlete studies that there are repercussions, you know, with like, uh, tearing in the lungs. There's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of people that can be affected. Uh, What I'm worried about is that they're not going to postpone, which, you know, after the board of governors meeting on Tuesday, when they were trying to decide what actions to take and the best they came up with was like, no more hugging. Oh um, no more, no more two guests Ugh. in your away uh, on your road game hotels. Uh, yes. What I'm worried about is that it will not postpone. I don't believe that they'll postpone for anything. I think that they want 
full TV revenue. And I also think that they want to restart on time for the 2021, 2022 season. Um, I think what else I'm worried about is that they are still disregarding the possibility of on-court transmission during play. Um, I think a really eye-opening moment for me was when Jason Tatum uh, had tested positive and the wizard who they decided then should be monitored was Bradley Beal, who was not on him the only time, or I'm sorry, was not on him exclusively defensively, but they decided that he should be monitored um, and held out of a game, I think one game, because they hugged and talked closely afterwards. I don't know if you guys have played basketball. I don't know if you've played any sports, but like if you are guarding somebody, you are up in their face, you are yelling to your teammates, you are, you know, whatever you're doing, you're directing, hand checking. What if you sneeze there? If somebody contracts the virus and they are on the court with a bunch of other people who are rubbing up against them, um, I just think that's such a big red flag, and I think the NBA is ignoring that. That's my main concern. Um, I do not think the season will be postponed unless something really grave happens to one of the players or personnel. Yeah, it's really depressing, honestly, because, yeah, of course COVID is transmitting during the games. And you know that the NBA knows this. You know, it's just like, I think they're just taking the gamble on, they're like, as you said, like, okay, nobody's gotten seriously ill. Therefore, like, we're just going to cross our fingers and hope that all of the COVID cases in the NBA are going to be mild and we're going to, like, get away with nobody dying, you know? I And just, like, but everything we read about all the time and, like, I think everybody at this point has had personal experiences with COVID, it's, like, I, I do not understand how they're, how they're able to take it so lightly. And, and yeah. imagine if you're Carl Anthony Towns. Right. Exactly. I mean, seriously, totally I can't. Yeah. I. Every time I see him, it's all I can think about. You see how lackadaisically your employer is taking this and you have been so directly impacted by it and your life is forever changed. I mean, I'm so glad he was vulnerable enough to share how it felt and how it feels every day and how he still feels it every day that his mom passed because of COVID. Um, because I think that's a really important thing for people to realize. But if I'm him and I see my yeah. employer treating it this way, um, there's a lot of things that people encourage athletes to play through, push through it, be strong. Basketball's a good distraction. It just doesn't work that way with this. Yeah, no, I like in Carl, I'm, I'm surprised that he's playing this, this season, to be honest. Um, and you know, I'd, it's, it's, it's his decision. And obviously I think he's done. You can't fault him for anything throughout this entire process. You just hate to see somebody go through that. Um, you brought up the transmission on the court. I get so confused by it because I think people are taking it literal in the sense of like, well, they're not close to each other for 15 minutes. It's like, no, that's just like a basic guideline. It doesn't like if you're, if you're, if it's like, well, they're only guarding each other for four minutes. It's like, well, that doesn't mean like it's, it's less likely to happen if it's not 15 minutes. Um, I right. It's a, per it's a matter of percentages. Um, and that's actually talked to, um, what can I say about his position? Cause I'm not really allowed to say, I talked to somebody who is doing research for COVID, who's very important, who I wish I could name draft so I could sound more important, but he, I talked to him about 
the possibility of on-court transmission in regard to how the NBA is excusing it. They're saying, well, no player is um, within six feet for 15 minutes straight at any point of the game. And obviously what they're meaning is like, okay, if I'm guarding Kyle, we're with we're in each other's space for 15 minutes straight. Obviously that's not happening, but that is acting like all these other factors are not there, which is just wild to me and so irresponsible. Um, you know, that and it's also saying, okay, that's when you're like really in the danger zone. That doesn't mean if I'm guarding Kyle and I sneeze in your face or I yell in your face, droplets are going to be in your face. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's very upsetting to me for a league that did so well with the bubble to just dismiss science. (laughs) It's very upsetting. If you took it strictly the first time, you know, you know, it's very important to take it strictly. Um, And I think because of the success, they is part of the reason that it is more lax now. And that's even more upsetting. Um, Yeah, it's, it's even more upsetting. There's, really no excuse for not for them not being able to understand that the CDC guidelines do not apply to a basketball game. Yeah, the CDC did not write these guidelines for the NBA. They wrote it for like people going to grocery stores, you know, like, yeah, you're totally spot on with that. It's really disappointing. What they're doing is they're taking the page out of like the NFL's notebook, right? Where it's like, we're going to take it serious right away. And then, okay, uh, this game, we're going to postpone it on, okay, it's Wednesday. Okay. Okay. We're going to play this game Wednesday. Um, and like the next day a player tests positive and they're just like, okay, we'll postpone their game next week. And I mean, from a finance aspect, I guess, whatever. Um, but if that's what your concern is, um, it's fine. And like w- an- another thing about health, I wish these leagues would be more honest because it seems like every player and every coach, they get it or, you know, they, they, uh, or you, you just hear they're out and you don't hear why. And then they, they tell you later they were totally fine. They didn't have any symptoms. Okay. I had COVID. Um, it was horrible. Um, and obviously I'm in like, I feel like I'm in okay health. Um, and like, luckily it wasn't worse than it was, but like, it was the sickest I've ever been. And it's baffling to me that we haven't heard like one story from any sport about how some, I mean, I guess Freddie Freeman for for the Braves. uh, But like, it seems like nobody wants to say that they're really sick, which I think would actually be a good thing because then people would realize like, oh, hey, like this person um, took, was out for two weeks. And yeah, of course they're not going to be back to a hundred percent because they were really sick. And the other thing is that um, let's say that, that they are experiencing, they experience no symptoms the entire time. There is, there is proof with these kinds of viruses that they affect people later on. You have to care about people longer than they're in your employment. And that's, what's so upsetting with me um, about all of this. And, you know, like what you just said, we can all trace this back to a financial gain um, and that's upsetting because we love this sport so much. We spend every night watching it six hours, and I just want it to be better than that. I'm with you 100%. Uh, we'll switch gears here a little bit. Um, Haley, I, w- I want to talk about, because uh, I think, like, I, I knew you before you you worked at The Ringer. Um, and I th- I think I 
probably like met you on Twitter or whatever. Like, but this is like the early days of Twitter. So, uh, um, yeah, you, you followed me when I had no followers. That makes me sound weird, um, <laughs> but okay. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, but I remember because you would tweet about the Timberwolves. Um, cause I think Gorgie Jang played Well, he did. I don't think that, uh, you went to Louisville. Um, okay. I went to Louisville. I know I was going to get corrected. I knew, right <laughs> after I said it, I was hoping you didn't hear me. Was it um, mouthful of marbles when you say it? Or? Yeah. Just <laughs> Thank you, Julian. Um, okay. So I want to, I want people to hear this story because you like this. I think you talked to Tim Fakeless, who you thought was me and oh, Tim Fakeless. Oh, I'm hoping you were going to forget to bring this up. <laughs> first thing on the outline. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Tim and I did go to college together. Um, oh, that's so, a fun fact. I didn't know that. Yeah, we went to college together. Um, okay. We were like, I was the sports editor at the paper and he wrote there. Um, so that's that fun. But okay. Tell me how this, what, what happened? I'm not recounting the story. If you want to tell the story, you can tell the story. I will not continue to be embarrassed on every Minnesota podcast I appear on. I refuse. That's, that's fair. All right, moving on. I don't even know the story. Tim just told me, he's like, yeah, <laughs> really thought that I was you. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I went up to Tim. I said, oh, are you Kyle? And he was like, no. And I was like, well, that's okay. <laughs> and then I walked. <laughs> Hopefully... Like, hopefully Tim wasn't having a really bad day and he's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the story. I think I, I must have been in college at the time. Um, I think I decided I would like to write about sports uh, by then. And yeah, Gorgie got drafted and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to watch Minnesota games. And I, I, I also on a, um, an outline Kyle sent to me, he said, what, you know, possibly we'll talk about what an outsider looks, um, at the wolves as, and I was like, so insulted that you use the word outsider. I suffered <laughs> through the mid 2010s with you guys. I watched so many bad games. Oh, the worst. I, oh my God. I learned players that people don't even, Oh, is this a fun You're good. podcast? Okay, uh, we don't know. know their no, name. told us yet. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. Again, I hope you guys have an editor um, who's very good. But anyway, yes, I suffered through all of those games. Um, I really love Wolves Twitter so much. But yeah, that's those were really dark days for the teams for uh, Minnesota, but actually really fun for me. But yes, so I knew Kyle from Twitter. I asked Tim if he was Kyle. He said he was not. I went back to my boyfriend at the time who was in the stands and I said something really embarrassing just happened to me. And then we had a good laugh. And then everybody who I knew from Wolves Twitter then had a good laugh at my expense. It is 2021. <laughs> we are still bringing it up. This is just ridiculous. Let's now that I hear that story again, like it doesn't seem as funny. So <laughs> maybe it's maybe we, we should tried, just we tried. It honestly was funny in the moment. I mean, not for me, but for everybody else. I was mortified. Uh, so okay, Haley, I was go. just going to ask. So you you said you decided to write about sports, or you, mm -hmm. you decided that you wanted to write about sports. Did you come to writing or to sports first? No, I always wanted to be a writer and I just didn't know about what I always, you know, it's 
still in the one mm -hmm. day plans to do short stories and awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I just, you know, I've always loved sports. So I was like, well, that's a happy medium and that's it. And it's been a lot of fun since. So just worked out. Yeah. So, um, I think a lot of people that, that aren't in the wolves world, uh, got familiar with you. Um, you have a lot of hot take tweets, which I love. Um, Do I? People I say mean, that. And I don't think I really even have opinions. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Um, that's probably the best way to think about your own opinions is that they're not opinions, which is good. Yeah. They're just correct. Yeah. Yeah, you only have facts that you know, <laughs> yeah, which is good. I, I, cause I think too many people try to like, put like, look at this opinion that I might not think, you know, so it's good. Um, I do that sometimes. Um, whatever. You uh, have good opinions. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, like I, tweet, I tweet less now that I don't work for the wolves. Cause I don't have to like, write about uh, or tweet about a meaningless double-double in a 20-point loss or a 20-point win sometimes. Um, not for really a 20-point loss, let's yeah. be honest. Um, okay, so, but, but I think a lot of people are familiar with your work at The Ringer, and you did excellent work there. Thank um, you. You did. And I think, um, I know I was bummed when, when you left because I wasn't able to read your stuff every day. Um, but now um, you're on to the next, you're on to the next thing um blue wire podcast what are you doing um just like kind of tell us about your journey and um what what to expect i will be hosting an nba podcast that's going to come out really soon uh we're very excited about it i wish i could say more information but i will be able to very soon but yeah that's coming out and then i it's really fun i'm like executive producing projects um, across sports. So not just basketball necessarily, but what's great about Blue Wire is that they're really into telling different sports stories. Um, ones that you haven't heard, ones from a different angle. Um, so narrative podcasts have always been very interested, interesting to me. And yeah, it's got, it's a different kind of storytelling for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, I'd say that's it. I'm coming soon is basically what I've been telling everyone, including my family who does not believe I have a job right now, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> um, I was just, it, it's so awkward on, on like some of these like video zooms. Cause you're waiting for maybe somebody else to talk and then you look at them and then you realize they're not going to talk. So yeah, you just give me a nice little nod. Kyle. I did. I gave you like a little um, wink too. What's so th that's actually a real thing when people have something big in the works, you legitimately can't talk about what it is. And it's really just an NBA podcast and I'm really excited about it, but we haven't launched yet. So I don't want to, you know, after this is all over, I can tell you guys the name and the my oh, co-host and everything. But yeah, it's, 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 it's very hard for me not to talk um, about, I just, you know, I love to gossip. I love the gossip. I love to share information and I can't. So I'm trying to restrain myself. So I'm going to stop talking about it. But yes, coming well, soon. We will have you on again once it's launched um, and you can tell us. Oh my us God, please. About it. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, just like, we're, so you were one, one of the first people to join the ringer. And then in kind of that time, it grew from what was at least perceived online as a like scrappy startup, even though, you know, it had some significant people behind it so who knows um but then it grew to this kind of behemoth uh i'm just curious like what your experience was like in a company that changed 
so much um, over the course of your time there? Like what, how did that feel as, as somebody who worked there? It was so fun. Um, I think for me, the best part was being with people who I'd read at Grantland and have always admired and then getting to be their coworker. And um, it really, my time there gave me a lot of confidence in the idea that other people might be interested in the weird things that I'm interested in. Um, you know, I wrote a story one time about Stephen A. Smith, like what if everything that he had um, reported to be true actually was true because no offense, Stephen A., but it's, a lot of it does not pan out. And that was greenlit and it was totally you know, accepted. And so that gave me a lot of comfort in the idea that the sports media world was more than just like, you know, khakis and ties, old school press box. Um, type of stories. And because, you know, I don't think I'll ever be very good at those. Um, that's not what is fun to me. So for me, the best part of that experience was getting to work with people who really appreciated what I was interested in. Um, and then also, you know, getting to pick their brains about everything, but it's fun. And, you know, I'm in a blue wire is also a startup. So there's a lot of deja vu. Um, it is, a really special but unique experience yeah at both places it has been but yeah what did you call cool. it scrappy that's very yeah somewhat i guess i i don't know because i feel like, you know, it was like, like um, and it was kind of this like sound like the thunder yeah we love to describe bad bad teams as scrappy oh yeah at the timber yeah. podcast <laughs> <laughs> they have like one interesting thing early like, rigor was bad, yeah. <laughs> they dive on the floor and you're like oh they might not be very good but they're they really try. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I think something that we've seen in the last um like i guess seven or eight years and obviously it's a totally different dynamic with like i worked for the timberwolves so my media you know responsibilities were different um but but when you talked about like the like you're sitting there in the press box right and you're writing like a 450 word game recap and um, when I started with the Timberwolves that's what like it was it was like you know put together a game recap um, I think like sometimes it was like maybe we'll do a live blog you know what I mean it's like there's 82 Which is games. really only works with soccer like I don't know if you guys follow soccer but like the soccer the Guardian does one so fun. But with every other sport, it's like a minute by minute blog is just not as entertaining. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you, but no, go ahead. no you're good. You're 100 percent right. Um, but like basically how the the media, the sports media world has changed and evolved where it went from, I think, writers doing the game recaps and then it evolved from like, you know what, maybe we don't even have to like be at the game. We can just like write about the game from from home. Like we don't need to get these quotes like who cares? Right. Um, and there's certainly a, a place for the beat reporter. So I don't want to like downplay that at all. Oh um, yeah. They're the reason, I mean, they're reporting their, uh, breaking news is the reason that the rest of the stuff gets to exist. 100%. There's such a need for them, but it's so nice that there is now this area carved out, um, where it wasn't before in sports necessarily. So yeah, they're absolutely necessary, but this new, I could have never predicted this when I was, in college. This is, it, it is what is definitely different. And I'm really glad that it's been afforded in the sports space. I was reading my, like some of my time hop, I don't know, time hop still thing. I don't know if it is. Um, 
but like not too long ago. And it was like my tweets from like 2010. And I was covering the, uh, the Minnesota state university Mavericks, uh, in, in Southern Minnesota. And like, I was just like, I was tweeting the score literally every time somebody scored, that was my reporting. So I remember it. So I, when I decided like, okay, sports reporting, I did, um, scores, high school scores at the Courier Journal, which is the Louisville paper. And I told them I was interested in writing. And so one time they sent me out on a game at a high school game, um, football. And I was like very nervous. I'd never done anything like it before. And I got there and, um, it was so fast. Like I couldn't keep track of the stats. It was high school. So and it was a small school. It was actually in Indiana. I couldn't keep track of the stats. I was like, was that seven yards? And I was asking the guy next to me and he was like kind of also reporting, but he was like announcing and he didn't have time to tell me and I couldn't keep up. And he also had an accent like very thick. And so I couldn't really understand. Was it six? Was it seven? And it was, yeah, it was really hard. And then I, I went out cause I knew they wanted a quote from the coach and I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I went out there to try to get a quote from the coach and it starts pouring down rain. I have my laptop. I have this like recorder. I start asking him a question and he like, can't hear me and his wife's calling him and they're having dinner and the lasagna and everything's just lasagna. pouring down rain. And like, there's, you know, my laptop's just open. I'm just holding it there. So I, I run back to my car finally, and um, the courier had this like deadline. There's no service. It's not like there's a Starbucks. We are in nowhere, Indiana. And so I wrote in my car this game recap with like faulty stats, and my laptop is like, the screen is like not really fully working because of the rain. The recorder, I had nothing. I remembered him saying like <laughs> one thing verbatim. So that's all I and after that, I was just like, I'm not cut out for this. Uh, it's not going to be me. And I've never done anything like that since. That's so awesome. yeah, thank God I don't have to be wearing khakis right now because it's not, it's not the life for me. I'm not cut out for it. I, I once, uh, I covered my, we had like an entrepreneurship class in high school and I just decided to write about the sports teams and for the local uh, paper and I just made up quotes for literally all of my friends for every story. So <laughs> every, I don't know, like that. Maybe I get in trouble in like retroactively. I don't know how that works. What's but, that movie about the guy who makes up a bunch of uh, quotes and he's exposed? Is hmm. it Glass? Is his last name Glass? I don't know. I had to watch it in a, a English class one time. And I didn't watch that. Apparently, it's about plagiarism. But yeah, that's that's you. I'm gonna expose you for that. <laughs> that's actually very efficient journalism season whatever of the wire where they've reported it <laughs> oh it's great best season probably season five i think yeah um okay let's talk uh, about shattered the glass shattered glass shattered glass yes i knew it had glass in it i was so terrified after that i, I was like if i ever say or write two words that another in a, consecutively that another person writes i'll be accused of plagiarism i that movie freaked me out and it turns out that it was based off of a true story, which is Kyle Racky. Which is Kyle. Well, I mean, <laughs> not a lot of our high school classes were based on scare tactics. You know, uh, just oh, it's funny you say that because I was actually in a woodworking class in like eighth grade. And if you know anything about me, um, my family would be the first to say, I'm not, I'm not a very handy guy. <laughs> um, we had to write a paper about like different 
different woods or something. And me and a, a, another uh, classmate got called into the office one day and he handed me the paper um, that I thought was mine. And I was like, he's like, did you write this? And I go, yep, this is mine. And then he handed me the paper that the my classmate next to me wrote. And they were the same paper. We both plagiarized the same website. That's amazing. <laughs> we, just submitted, um, we just submitted this paper about like Oak Wood or something. Um, I'm really glad you're podcasting now because this would probably ruin yeah, your, your uh, writing prospects. I'm sorry. That's you really got to pour it all into this. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, this, this is it for you. This is it for you. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Wolves for a little bit before we go. Uh, um, I think they're three and seven or four and seven right now. Um, like D'Angelo Russell started out slow. He heated up. Uh, Carl's back sooner than we thought he'd be. Um, I guess, and I won't call you an outsider because um, you're very much in the in the Wolves circle. Maybe I should have like. You're like big time, like right in the bubble of Wolf Circle. I would love to be called a guest. That a would guest be great. Of yeah. Wolf Circle. Okay, that's that's where I you're think at. that's that's me not imposing. Yes. Yeah, Haley was uh, interested in the wolves before I was, and see, see there you know, you I, and I begged Kyle for years yeah. for a podcast, and he always said no. So there you go, Julian. That's Man. credit to you. <laughs> All credit. Breaking through where others couldn't. <laughs> uh, Haley, where are you at on the Wolves right now? Because they're kind of a confusing team. You know what, though? They've always been a confusing team. I think when the Wolves are not confusing, it's just because they're playing bad. Um, the Wolves are constantly in flux, and the flux is always a good thing happens and a bad thing happens. A good thing happens and a bad thing happens. We can go through it, but honestly, it's like tips is a good thing, then tips is a bad thing. Jimmy Butler was a good thing. Then Jimmy Butler was a bad thing. Andrew Wiggins, a good thing. Bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. Bad, 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 good, bad. Uh, D'Angelo Russell could go either way. I think that right now, when I watch the Wolves, I think I've seen maybe like four of their games, it just seems they're very conditional, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, Cat. Uh, has not been there the entire time, but it seems like, okay, how do I, when I say conditional, Culver, good with Cat on the floor. The Wolves defense, interesting with Okogi on the floor. Malik Beasley, great at home. Rubio's back, very exciting if he can work it out with D'Lo. So there, it's just like super conditional. I don't know where things are going to even out. And I also just wish the Wolves could get somebody for once who knew how to come in. God, this sounds so sports talk radio. I'm sorry. And win. You know, someone who's like used to yeah. winning. And that was supposed to be Jimmy, but Jimmy was just not a good fit. He wasn't a good fit with Andrew and Carl, and that's fine. I don't think that that says anything negative about any of them. I just think it wasn't a good fit. But he's the only one that they've had in the last, like, star level anyway, in the last... I don't know, seven years, who knew how to come in and win. D'Lo is not there. Perhaps he'll get there um, with this team. Carl has had to learn it on his own. I think that's why I forgive Carl a lot or, or allow him a lot of um, space with that because it's really, it is honestly really hard to come in and be part of a losing culture. 
Uh, I would love to do a study one day on like rookies who came into winning cultures versus rookies who came into losing cultures. Um, because I do think that's a lot more important than people give it credit for. It's a lot is in flux. A lot's always been in flux for the wolves, but I'm hoping it evens out. I don't really know where Rubio fits here. Um, we're in year what, and we're still hoping that he can, be good off ball. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I do think that they do have a lot of um, exciting pieces that are not being talked about outside of Minnesota, which is fine. That's good. Um, you know, that's the start of a team that can be exciting later, but I hope that the front office stays vigilant on moves. I think that's really the only way that this team elevates past its ceiling right now which is like decent yeah my cat just jumped up on me so you guys can see him on the screen here um okay bud later um it, like the, the rubia thing's so interesting to me because I, I i remember being at his extension press conference um i forget what year it was but flip Saunders was just talking about how like he's going to evolve into this guy and um i will never question ricky's work ethic because i think it is like it's right up there with, with all those guys, but we've seen guys like no matter how many threes you shoot or, um, you know, and, and I kind of talked about this with D'Lo and I guess it's maybe to a lesser extent with, with Ricky, because nobody's going to say Ricky's a, a top 20 or 25 player, but like, you know, when, when you play on multiple teams and teams are just like, so willingly willing to like, let you go time after time, it does kind of speak to, to, to your value. And, you know, Ricky's always going to have a, a, a soft spot in Minnesota. I'm literally like looking at a bobblehead of him just hanging up in, in my office here. But, um, and I loved working with Ricky when he, when he was here. Um, but it is pretty apparent on a second unit that doesn't have any like shooters. Ricky's the, you know, the backup point guard in that unit. And like, it just doesn't seem like he knows where to fit. And, and we'll see. Backup point guard that, you know, should be sharing, they, they, uh, Saunders said he wanted like many ball handlers on the floor. Yes, that works. But you also have to explain what the ball handler is doing when he's not handling the ball and they still need to be capable. And that's the problem with a D'Lo Rubio backcourt. Unfortunately, because everyone here loves, I don't even know, Julian, I'm just assuming, loves Ricky Rubio. Who doesn't? Of course they love Ricky Rubio. Yeah. It's, you know, and... I really want him to succeed and have a good place. And he loves Minnesota. Minnesota loves him, but the fit is just, especially with someone like D'Lo really difficult. It's also hard because we're like 10 games in, um, you know, and who knows in, in 10 more games, um, maybe we'll be talking about something else. And, oh, and what a fucking bizarre. Oh, no, wait, you did. What a bizarre season because, the blowouts, the um, you're playing this team you just played right away again. And so you've learned how to adjust. And so it's, you know, we've seen it go like complete 180s with scores. Um, trends that are just do not seem sustainable, which is somewhat true at the beginning of all seasons, but they're just really wacky this year. Um, Carl was not with y'all for however long. Like there's a lot of things that need to iron out. So it will be interesting to keep watching them. That's for sure. I think things will change for the better. 
Um, how are you guys feeling about Carl's defense? Julian? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I remember I wrote an article two years ago that was like, Carl's defensive improvements are no joke or, you know, it had some headline like that. And of course it was for timberwolves.com. So there was a, <laughs> a slight bit of bias. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's, it's so much, it's clear to me that like when he plays better on defense, it like that ripples through the team. And like, you see how much impact Carl has on the team um, just because of like how elite of a talent he is. And so I think that like, I don't know. I, I'm like hesitant to make a commitment to like whether or not I buy into it because it just it's only been so, however many games. But at That's the same fair. time, I thought you guys would be like super over the moon about it. No, I'm, because... I'm of course I'm optimistic because if Carl becomes a good defender, like it's kind of game over. Like I, I, not not necessarily in terms of like the Wolves winning a championship, but just in terms of how good of a Carl or how good of a player Carl can be. So and I want the best for him. So I really hope this is real. Like I really really hope this is real. Yeah, but I mean. Yes, I that that's why I'm hesitant because I remember every season where it's like after five or six or seven games, you're like, oh my gosh, maybe this team cares about defense, and it and it starts with Carl, um, and then like you get to game like twelve or thirteen, and and I, I don't I, I talked about this somewhere, but it's just like then it's gone, and you're like, wait, I thought we cared about defense. What 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 happened to that? And I will say, Carl does not have a lot of. Um, he doesn't have a lot of help because there's a lot of pressure on him because he's like the, I mean, literally the last line of defense. Right. Um, Cause like D'Angelo Russell is not stopping anybody. Um, and when he had Wiggins and I love Wiggs, um, his comments this week, I don't think like, I don't know if he was necessarily throw, throwing shade at the wolves. I don't even know what he said. What did he say? Um, he said that he thinks th throughout basically his whole career, he played really, really good defense. Um, but the difference is in Golden State, the culture is just different. Um, and like culture, no doubt the culture is different because you have Draymond Green telling you like what you to have go. to do. <laughs> but that's that's too mm -hmm. much. That's yeah. I don't. We can pull up old games, basically. Yeah. Like we, we got we got the we got the receipts. We've um, always had like these isolated good defensive possessions because he's such an elite athlete, but. Yeah, I mean, he never really strung together more than what, like three games of good defense. And, you know, it, consistency is, you know, just a little bit important in the yeah. NBA if you want to have an actually good team. And, and like now Carl has like the, his the power forward next to him is Juancho Hernan Gomez. Like, OK, good luck. You know, um, it's a good point. It's a fair point. Um, I am excited about Carl. I also think we don't grant. Well, his defense so far, from what I've seen, I also don't think we grant players as much time to improve anymore which for wolves fans i completely understand if people like want to personally talk to me about that after this because you guys have granted you know you granted wiggins so much time and then also carl in this regard but he is 25 um i think because a lot of players come in and make an immediate impact now that we don't think it it's possible later on in their career and later on in carl uh in carl's case really just means he's 25 you know he's maturing if you think about regular non-athletes maturing that means taking on more responsibility i think the same could apply to him it might be sustainable is what i'm saying i sound a lot more optimistic than you guys yeah, which no. is probably for good reason because 
you know, I, mean, I think the one thing is like I do trust David Vanderpool's uh, kind of scheming in that sense. Like I'm not sure that Carl was necessarily put in a position for success, not only by the players around him, but but by the defensive scheme and like the way that worked. And I'm not like an X's and O's expert, um, but I've been a Blazers fan my whole life, and I kind of saw David Vanderpool install this scheme in Portland that actually kind of worked with a bunch of players who weren't actually good defenders. Um, and so I'm I'm really optimistic that. You know, he can teach Carl something about defense and that if everybody buys in, it's just like all these ifs, they just kind of pile up. And yeah, I don't know. I hope I, really, really, I hope you're right. And you know a lot more about this than I do. So I, I'm trusting that you're right. Um, and if Carl regresses, I'll it's add you on Twitter. And yeah. <laughs> I don't think I know a lot more than anyone about anything. So I would take that back. Not going to do it. Do not put that those expectations on me. All right, low, okay, not going to say low expectations, but we will remove officially remove the pressure of predicting Carl's <laughs> career. Uh, with that, I think it's probably a good time to uh, end the podcast and go get some more wine. Um, but no, Haley, I Haley, am thank, well. thank you so much for joining us. We we yeah. uh, honestly super appreciate it, and um, yeah, I'm sorry for bringing up old stories that. Um, you don't want rehashed, which I get. I understand. How how long should I live in shame is my question. <laughs> I can't even enter the state of Minnesota anymore. Uh, speaking of the state of Minnesota, before I, I can't believe we um, we didn't do this before. Uh, shout out Megan Schuster. Shout out Megan Schuster forever and always. We were talking about you um, before the show began and she moved away from me in L.A., I'm not going to actually make this a grievance. Yeah, let's circle back to shouting her out and not me guilting her for leaving me. Um, love you. Yeah, Megan Schuster. Uh, former, <laughs> former, well, this is a test to see if she actually listens to it. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, we'll, we'll know, I guess. if it <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have a good idea. Um, but yeah, um, we all love Megan. Uh, Haley, thanks we all for- love Megan. Thanks for joining us. We're excited. We 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 don't know what you're gonna do next because it's like this top secret. Uh, you're talking to like it's not top secret. I just don't know what I can say and cannot say, and I tend to say too much. So I'm just gonna try to be reserved for once in my life. If anybody's aggregating this, Haley is in the CIA now. Well, <laughs> she's interviewing like COVID experts. We who knows? We okay. She, she knows is everything. coordinating the pandemic response for the Biden. <laughs> That's what I, it seems to me. <laughs> I literally don't put that on me. Go give her a follow at Haley or something um, on Twitter. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Julian. Um, thanks as always. And we will talk you to it. you all next week. Yeah. Say that it feels right.